What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad podcast. My name is Chad, and this week we are joined by Will Walsh of the band Iron Will. So Iron Will is a rock band based out of Central Florida, and William is the lead singer slash founder of the band, and he's been doing this since 2019, and so cool to hear his story because he's working really hard. You know, he originally started this out as a solo project, started recording things, felt like he needed to get the full band, so he starts going through all of the work. You're obviously going to hear the whole story. And one thing that that really stands out to me about Will is he's just driven. He works so hard and just and puts all of his effort, all of his energy into making this happen. And it's really awesome because what he's doing is creating fantastic work. But he's also teaching people who want to get into this how to be successful. And I think it's super rad. And uh, because of that, I had a ton of fun talking to him. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear, you know, his side of the story as well as everything that he has to share. But before we jump in, be sure to head on over to his his social medias. He recently dropped a brand new single last week. So be sure to, to go and check that out because obviously it's awesome. And uh, be sure to hit up his, his Instagram and his Facebook and uh, like, follow. And, uh, you know, he's got a new EP dropping here soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And while you're at it, just swing on over to the podcast, social medias, like, follow, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. But I'll stop my babbling and let you guys jump right on in. Thank you for joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. So I always like to start off, you know, just a quick introduction of yourself and then, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and then we'll talk a little bit more about the band. Yeah, my name's uh, Will Walsh. I'm the founder of Iron Will. Uh, kind of been in the music scene for over 20 years now. I've uh, been playing guitar for that long. And uh, my journey as a vocalist really started about five years ago. Um, so music has always been part of my life. Um, been a heavy concert goer my entire life. Um, and once you're part of that, you know that you want to be that one on stage. And so that's kind of what pushed me to be part of this journey uh, as a lifetime musician. Um, and so here I am today uh, in Iron Will, kind of pushing this group to hopefully the next level. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. So 20 years, huh? Yes, sir. Nice, dude. So uh, so tell a little bit about that journey, because obviously, you know, um, you said you've been playing guitar for those 20 years, started doing vocals within the last five. But, uh, you know, what got you started off in in music in general? Yeah, so music was always part of my family. Um, I remember my dad growing up was always playing guitar. Um, and kind of, I'm the youngest of seven. And so, um, kind of as we were growing up, I remember, remember music always being a big part of our life. Um, you know, the Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin, that type of genre. Yeah. Um, and then, so as I got older, my brother started playing guitar and that's the whole reason why I got into it. And, um, kind of that typical upbringing, I really grew up on Metallica, Green Day, um, those big bands from the 90s nirvana yeah um and that's what pushed me to start playing guitar um and then it just continued to develop from there that's super awesome so youngest of seven huh yes sir (laughs) nice man i i understand i'm in a i come from a huge family as well i'm the second to youngest of nine so i'm definitely in that same boat with you (laughs) oh yeah so it's it's fun yeah dude there's it's you know there's there's never a a dull moment with a large family makes those family get togethers around the holidays always fun yeah exactly it makes it makes it uh you know according to a lot of the states you know like non-covid allowed you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh so where are you where are you from i'm from uh so i grew up in north dakota actually okay um and then my family moved us down to florida in 2000 okay um and then so that's where i really i guess started taking music more seriously Throughout high school, I was in a band and then um, through college, I was in different groups. And then once I, I actually took a break from college to pursue music full time. Oh, nice. That's when I really started kind of, I guess, changed my mindset where it was more of 
hopefully a career path eventually than just a hobby. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so when, when that switch happened from full-time school to full-time music, about what time did that happen? That was in 2008. Um, so I, I was going to Florida state actually, and I decided to kind of take a break. because I wasn't sure, um, really what I wanted to do with a college degree anyway. And I, music was always there. Like as it, it's always been a part of my life. Yeah. Um, and that's when I, I moved back. I had some friends that I've, um, had a, started a project with before I left uh-huh. and they were really starting to get organized. Um, it was our never ending life was their name. Okay. Um, so they kind of recruited me to come back and it was perfect timing. Nice, man. So how long did you stay with our never ending life? We did. We had a two and a half year run. Okay. Um, it was a great experience, really. I mean, we had the opportunity to tour around Florida, um, play some cool venues like Tobacco Road in Miami, which is a real historic venue down there. Um, and then we also um, had the opportunity to record our EP with Craig Owens. In- oh, nice. Yeah. From Chiodos, yeah. man. Yeah, so that was really cool. That was when Chiodos was really coming out. And yeah. They were a huge inspiration from us for, uh, for us as well as, um, you know, Circus Survive and Anthony Green. Yeah. Big inspiration for me. And so yeah, it was, it's a lifetime experience to kind of have him mentor us through the recording experience and take our tracks kind of to the next level. Yeah, man. Dang, that's really cool. Yeah, obviously he's he's still making music or he's making music again, I guess I should say, I don't know if he's stopped or not, but uh, he's obviously got his project drugs that he's doing still. So, um, so with, uh, you know, when you, when you went in there and you were working with, with someone, you know, of his level of his level, what were some of the things that, uh, that stood out to you as you were like, cause you said that was like your first time really going into a studio, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you learned that first time going in there? I think it was, I mean, just keep it simple, really. Um, okay. And I, I mean, his main advice with, with us was just stay relevant and stay active as far as playing shows. Um, obviously, the circumstances are a little bit different nowadays. Yeah. Where it's really online focused. But, um, you know, around 10 to 12 years ago, it was really just playing as many shows as possible, traveling and getting in front of fans, which is still relevant today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you've been you've been in the scene quite a few different uh, through quite a few different iterations, I guess, because uh, obviously like a lot of the the music industry has evolved. You know, 2008 was a lot of a lot of festivals, a lot of, you know, that was when when uh, Warp Tour was still going really big. And then there's obviously a bunch of big festivals that were touring. And then, you know, a lot of music labels were, were paying bands, you know, getting bands, vehicles to tour, things like that. And so it was a, it was a bit of a different game than it is now. Right. Yeah. 100%. And I mean, I was, I was one of those fans that was at all those big festivals too. I mean, that yeah. was part of my life. And um, yeah, it's kind of been inter- interesting how it's completely changed. Even bands now are, they're still touring, but more, I guess, pocketed tours yep. around major festivals, it seems like. So yep. it's kind of game has changed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. It always seems like there's a lot to it that, uh, that's unaccounted for on the receiving end, right? Like as a, as a, as a fan or as a listener, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that the logistics of it that just are really tough to understand. Like, Hey, why do you guys always skip this certain city? Well, I mean, just, I love, we love you guys, but just you guys, there's not enough of a crowd for us to actually make it worth it. Right. Stuff like that. Or like, mm-hmm. why do you always stop at this city? Even if there aren't any crowds, it's like, well, because it's kind of a layover city where it allows us to, to kind of, you know, meet between two places that we're going to be going or, you know, stuff like that. And people don't understand the logistics of it. And so, you know, it, I think it's really interesting um, that you've been involved in that and have seen that evolve as well. Cause I, I imagine that uh, that it helps you, especially now with all the craziness happening, to uh, to kind of adapt to what's going on now, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And um, you know, it's kind of been great to take a step back. I mean, we were focused on playing locally, and throughout Florida was our goal. And now it's really been um, more taking advantage of this opportunity to try to network. Yeah, and obviously write and create solid quality content too. Um, that's kind of been our main focus during this break. So how much, obviously, you know, the, 
typically, you know, it, the, the fruits of what's happening now will, will be, you know, will be reaped next year or so, but what kind of, uh, what kind of progress have you guys made in terms of, of writing and, and getting that content? It's been a lot of fun, really. Um, so we had, um, really six songs that started, um, how the process kind of works internally with us is I been, I mean, we could take a step back and talk about the kind of growth of the band, but the writing really starts with me where okay. I, I kind of come up with a song idea um, and formulate the idea, maybe the uh, the direction of where I want to go with the vocals and the uh, concept of the song and the message mm-hmm. and then bring it to the group so we can make our time for rehearsal really efficient, Yeah, um, which has been great for us. I mean, it really fits, makes it simple, kind of a stress-free, stress-free and fun, I guess, uh, writing experience for all the members. Um, so we had six tracks that we wrote together initially. Um, and so we just released public enemy. We have another one coming out called total recall on December 4th, which we're really pumped to release. And then so throughout this break, we've been focused on the next step, which is finalizing that second EP and writing the rest of the tracks, which we have them relatively fully written and so we're just trying to get ready for that next studio time to finish the second beat dang man that's a ton of progress <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome and obviously you know i've i've listened to public enemy it's pretty dope i really like the song i the cool thing for me is is i like to hear the um kind of the the like i hear the roots of where you came from when you were talking about you know a lot of the early 90s bands what you grew up on i can hear that a lot in like the in the undertones of the music, but then I can hear where you've gone and, and implemented a lot of the, the, you know, sounds that are appealing to, to this current generation of music too. And I think it's really rad that you were able to, to mingle those together and, and make it feel um, authentic and, and, um, and feel like it flows really well. So uh, you said a lot of the, the stuff starts with you. So are you kind of um, when you, when you're writing, is it, you you just come up with an initial initial like small idea or are you coming up with a whole song and then bringing it to the band every song is a little bit different i guess would be the answer but yeah for the first six it really um was kind of the full idea was written um you know kind of blessed to have a home studio here where i'm able to um use pro tools to my advantage and kind of put the the overall idea together and uh i guess structure the song the way i wanted to go yeah um and the way iron will started was actually me solo and i originally thought it was going to be a solo project and then it just kind of caught steam and built momentum and so i wrote the the four song ep secrets myself and then once i was in the studio recording that ep i was like i need a band (laughs) so when i reached out to my good friend jeff dotridge on bass and then uh Fortunately, Jamie, uh, Jamie Panucci was uh, available at the time, but it came together within two weeks. Basically, I reached out to them and we started jamming once we had the EP ready to go. Uh, so we've been only jamming together for about a year, a year and three months now. Oh, dang. It's been a wild ride. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's it's always nice to uh, to have those friends you can rely on for for quality sound, but also to, to show up in a pinch. That's nice. <laughs> 100 percent, and it was it was crazy how seamless it came together I yeah reached out to jeff he's like i'm in 100 percent. and then jamie Dang. i reached out to him and he sent us this video of his house and he has this entire room dedicated as a jam spot with cabs Dang. Uh, hit set up and it was like this couldn't be more perfect yeah that's amazing <laughs> man that's super awesome <laughs> Wow. You know, sometimes it's like my wife and I, we, we joke about this, you know, cause we've got friends and stuff who who've gone in these relationships and like you see them having rocky starts and you're like, if it starts off bad, it's going to be bad in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> but like when it starts yeah. off like that, it's almost like, man, that's a good omen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. And that's the whole, that was the whole reason for kind of formulating this project is, I mean, wanted to be stress-free just cause the previous projects that I've been in, uh, were great experiences. Don't get me wrong, but it ended up being kind of high stress environments where um, there's creative differences or yeah. just not the motivation to be supportive of the group. So 
we wanted to keep this project as uh, simple, as stress-free as possible uh, while being goal-oriented, you know, and achieving our dreams. That's amazing, man. I love that. And it's like keeping that perspective, allowing that that to kind of be the uh, the undertone of the band. I, I feel like in the long run, that's going to pay off. I mean, obviously, it's going to pay off in the short run as well, like right now, but, but it's going to make it so you can actually stick around for the long run. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you try to stay in tune with why you do this in the first place, right? I mean, yeah. And, uh, um, because you love music. And I mean, we're grateful for the opportunity that we get to jam together and create music and create music for people, too. At, at this point, um, it would kind of accomplish more than we ever dreamed of, and we want to keep it going. Um, but you got to stay in tune with that yeah. uh, and keep the other noise out of the way if you want to, uh, I guess, keep moving forward, because that's what's going to drive you. Yeah. And kind of as a follow up to that, like, um, obviously we've been making music for so long. What's the, what's the best strategy that you found to kind of keep that perspective that you, that you were just talking about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I always try to stay in tune with myself and, um, uh, what I want to do as life goals and what makes me happy. And, it always comes back to music and then, of course, family, too. But those are my top two. Um, so um, if I can make music that major part of my life and my career, I mean, that would be a dream come true as yeah. it would be for me. Um, so it always comes back to that. And the writing process and creating original music um, has always been that stress reliever for me. And I yeah. really enjoy just the creation uh, aspect. Of, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing covers. I, I we all play covers, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always been on the creation side for me and the songwriting aspect that has been the big stress reliever and the fun part of music for me. Yeah, I can I can see that. Like the, I think that's a, a really important thing. You know, everyone has some outlet somewhere. And it's like, especially if you can find an outlet that also impacts and helps others, like that's pretty fantastic. Because obviously, um, you know, whether you care, like whether you really care to about it or whether you even pay much attention to it like your music's having an impact on people listening to it too like people who are who are taking it in and and maybe you know relating to the words or just even you know feeling the the emotions of the music feeling the the feelings that are that you put out there in the songs it's like now you're having an impact there as well and it's like and it's just because you've pursued your passion and i think that's like a it's kind of one of those cool things when, you know, when you, you get a lot out of it, but you're also giving back to the world at the same time, you know? 100%. I agree completely. So I, uh, I know we obviously, you know, we, uh, we went from the first major band that you were in from 2008, you said it about two and a half years. So about 2010 is when you stopped making music with, uh, with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got obviously a little bit of a gap there <laughs> from, from then to, to now. So what were some of the, uh, the adventures that you went on? um between that time and and to where you are now so yeah uh, right uh i guess about three months after our never ending life kind of took a hiatus i met my wife um and so initially obviously we weren't married but um we kind of went through that process of uh the fun journey of kind of dating and uh creating a family so Heck yeah man there was a little gap in music there i was always writing and um you know trying to get better and um practicing of course but there was a gap from really playing out uh while i was creating a family and starting a career nice. um, and then in 20 i guess it would be 2017 is when i really got back in the scene here in central florida okay uh, joined a band called last lost satellite um i reached out to some friends that um saying that i was itching to get back into the scene and that's where i got connected with jeff for the first time uh, one of my good friends, Steve Spence, who's a big part of the scene here. And we created a band called Lost Satellite, um, which, uh, again, was a lot of fun. That was the first opportunity to get back into it um, and really start pursuing it full force. Yeah, man, that's super cool. I, I love that. That's so it's like, like you said, family and music are, are your top two. So you're able to kind of you're on you're on track to be able to have both of those things humming, man. That's awesome. Mm hmm. So, uh, um, I guess 2017, you get back into the scene. What, what made you decide to, uh, to start going solo with, 
um, you know, with this current project? Because obviously, um, you know, you're you're probably still close friends with all the people you played music with, with and stuff. But I'm I'm assuming there was something that kind of said, "All right, I'm I'm kind of ready for for this." So what what was kind of that catalyst? It was so Lost Satellite kind of came to an end, and um, it was just a mutual agreement where there were some life circumstances that some of the members that were dealing with, and so it just kind of hit pause. Oh, okay, um, and that was um, like I was talking about. There was kind of creative. Uh, I guess differences, but more that life experience. Some of the members were having kids, and yep. so they decided that they wanted to just kind of hit pause and focus on family. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know it at the time, but it really was that moment where um, I wanted to start pushing myself vocally. Uh, wanted to push myself from a writing perspective too, um, and so I started focusing on writing stuff at home studio by myself, and that's when. Actually, Public Enemy was one of the first tracks that I wrote. And, oh, nice. Uh, and then the second song that I wrote was Anthem, and that was kind of the game changer for me that I felt like um, I just really liked the sound, what was coming, and uh, that's when I booked studio time. Yeah, man. Uh, that's awesome. So so obviously, um, you know, the uh, you said that you kind of started honing in on singing. Were you singing in, in Lost Satellite as well? Yeah, we did. So okay. uh, my buddy Spence uh, was the front man, and then I was doing the clean vocals. So we were more gotcha. kind of like a post-hardcore project. Oh, okay, cool. And, um, and I was doing the cleans. And um, yeah, so that kind of was my first journey to really start pushing myself. And then um, as I started getting better, uh, was taking lessons as well. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I, I knew I was kind of ready to take that next step and um, I guess be ready for full-time vocalist, front man type role. That's awesome. I mean, that's because that was kind of the, the follow up question for me was, you know, usually taking that first leap into something like that. It, there's there's quite a bit of uncertainty, even vulnerability there. So what was kind of like the uh, the first thought that you had when you took that leap into into being a vocalist alongside of, of being a guitarist? I think most of it is mental, really. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's it's more just uh, trusting your ability. And uh, obviously, I mean, just like any sport in a way, it's kind of like trusting your training and making sure you stay calm and stay focused. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously a, a challenge every day. I mean, you always have to make sure as a vocalist, what I find is you have to stay very calm and, uh, your technique has to be perfect to have that, um, I guess, tone and, uh, charisma that you want to have live. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a pretty big battle, man. Cause the, uh, the thing that, that I, everyone notices, but I don't know that, that I even paid attention to for a long time was, was kind of the, uh, the front man persona, the front man mentality, like the, the idea of this, this guy who's in the front, he has a big personality. He has a, he has a lot of, of something, right. That that's kind of giving energy to the, the listeners and to the crowd. And so, uh, was that like, was that natural for you to, to pick up and, and start running with that? Or was that kind of a weird, different transition as well? It's a work in progress. Okay. Um, just because I feel like, um, as when you're a guitarist and a vocalist, you're, you're focused on doing a lot. And so a uh, true vocalist front man, I think has a little bit more flexibility to bring that true energy, um, and focus on. I guess movement, running around stage, and uh, getting this, getting the crowd involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when you're focused on guitar and vocals, it, it's a different dynamic, um, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and so I'm, I guess, getting better every day. Um, and I think our chemistry on stage is what brings that energy and draws the fans in, and then of course, you know, engaging them throughout the the show as well. Yeah. I think I think the band's chemistry shows in a lot more than just the live performances too. Like there's there's something that that just kind of shines through in the the music production in the in the you know the the sound there's just there's just kind of a vibe there that shows hey, you know, this band actually is is this is their passion, you know, you can kind of hear it. I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I can kind of tell. I'm like, yeah, I can I can tell that the band's heart is there, you know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's what we, I, every musician I think tries to exude, but 
definitely with us, we, um, we are passionate about music. We, we love what we do. And I mean, grateful for the opportunity to play anytime we can. Heck yeah, man. I think that's so cool. I, I, I just think that's like, like, um, you know, the, the reason I started this podcast was basically for that same reason, you know, it's just like, I'm passionate about music. I don't make music, but I love to, to hear the passion coming from, from people like yourself, because I think that it's, it's something that the world can benefit from. Like just like the, the fact that, um, you know what it takes and you know how difficult it's going to be. Yet you say difficulty is the least of my worries. I'm going to push and I'm going to make this happen. I just think that's inspiring, man. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Uh, It's the more I I learn about the industry, the more I realize the obstacles that we're going to have to overcome to get where we want to be. And at the end of the day, it's all about persistence. I mean, I think it's all about just not giving up and like, like we just talked about, like staying true to the reason why you're doing this. And that's for the love of the music to want to make an impact in other people's lives. And, have music make an impact in our lives too. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as you have continued to, uh, to learn more about the industry, have you, I'm assuming obviously you've got your home studio. Are you doing your own production now as well? Or are you still going into a studio and working with a producer or what? Still, still working with a producer. Okay. Um, just because from a time, I mean, from an expertise standpoint, they're on a whole nother level. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So it, it's a great tool to have for, the writing aspect to be able to write songs and kind of compose them. Um, but going to a studio, first of all, is just an awesome experience. Um, yeah, I bet. Really, every time you go, it feels like you're living the dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the expertise and I guess mentorship that you get through that process is really invaluable too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I can imagine like, I, I feel like that's uh that would be a pretty magical experience. What was it? What was it like the first time you went into the studio? Do you remember like what it felt like? It's a rush. <laughs> um, for sure. I mean, you kind of feel like pressure's on at the first time at least. And then as you get more comfortable, you realize you're in your element and you're there to have fun. I mean, that's part of what creates the, the great performance is just to try to uh, be in the zone, the same zone that you were when you wrote the song. Yeah. Um, and that's what was kind of fun with the process with Iron Will is when I was going in to record the EP, I didn't even have a band yet. So I um, was fortunate to reach out to a couple of people locally and have session players. Um, a gentleman named Stu Richardson, he's the bassist for Thursday. And then also, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he's in No Devotion as well. But he, we're fortunate to have him here locally and he started a studio. Um, well, that's super so awesome. I, yeah, so Rocky Water Studios is where we record. I recorded the first EP and had Stu on bass and then a gentleman named Alex Petrosky on drums that made that recording process even better because um, they helped take the tracks to the next level. That's super awesome, man. That's it's it's cool to, uh, you know, the the kind of the connections that get made and uh, how all these different perspectives and all these different backgrounds can come together to, uh, to really create some, some awesome stuff. I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's really rad to see that stuff come together. So for, uh, you know, like you said, um, with your, with your current, you know, setup where you've actually now it's turned from a solo project into a band. Um, I guess the, one of the questions you, you may have mentioned, but, uh, um, what, what made you, commit to a band uh, aside from a solo project. Cause obviously, you know, some people who do solo, they just say, I'll have a band for live performances, but I'll keep it solo. Um, but what made you decide to, to actually make it a full band project? Uh, definitely the love of playing live. Um, okay. and then I think it's the wanting to do it with others. You know, I, th- I think creating something together is more powerful than, creating something by yourself. I mean, I just kind of, I guess I embrace that aspect. I love the music scene here in central Florida and, um, you know, me having the connection with Jeff and then Jamie, I, I wanted to be able to create together. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of what made me made the decision to, uh, I guess it was that kind of moment. Once we were almost finished recording the EP, I was like, man, I need a band. And that's when I started reaching out. And again, it was a seamless process. So it, 
it seemed too perfect it really has been too perfect since man that's super cool i love hearing stuff like that and uh with the with the current ep that you're working on are you are you going into the the same studio working with the same producer are you did you change it up this time or we did we changed it up so um we're we recorded public enemy and total recall at creative cult which is another local studio here and um so we're planning to go back um either this month or in december to record another single and then hopefully we're still polishing the final three tracks for the ep and um and then we're hoping to record those in early 2021 to release the new ep uh sometime next year well, sooner rather than later but probably spring yeah uh, summertime man that's cool i i feel like it's like you know being independent allows a little bit of like that flexibility to be able to say all right Let's go make some new music when we want. Let's make the mu- the specific songs. We're going to choose the track list. We're going to choose the the songs that are going to be released in what order. And um, that's that's actually something that I always find interesting is is that process of determining which songs make it to the EP, which songs get released first. So what's kind of the the methodology that you follow when you're you know when you're preparing for an EP? You know you're like all right I've got. I've got this many singles that I want to release before the full EP releases. And then, um, so what's kind of the methodology there? We're kind of learning as we go. I mean, I think the, the, the strategy that a lot of artists are going with now is that single release strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're kind of following the same pattern because it really is important to stay relevant nowadays. I mean, you got to be releasing consistent content. Um, and so, the beauty of that strategy is you really do focus on creating solid tracks. Yeah. And with our writing process internally, um, we know that if we're having to force a certain song, it's okay to just push it on the back burner and work on something else that comes more naturally in the writing process. Yeah. Cause we found that if it it's more fluid and comes naturally, it ends up being a more cohesive track for us. Heck yeah. And, um, and it makes the, the process more fun too because the energy is there it doesn't feel like you're forcing it and um so it makes a lot of fun for us i bet so how many songs do you do you kind of push to the back burner is it like is there like a man we we usually do like we we end up releasing 20 percent of the songs we write or do you do you have like a uh, an idea of of how many just turn into inspirations for good for the songs that you end up sticking with or yeah, I mean, we've been, it's been pretty solid. I mean, I'd say 80% of the songs that we work on end up making it or in, in the pipeline. Oh, nice. Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of, I guess if we're struggling with the writing process, we just kind of push it back and move one of the other songs in the pipeline forward. Um, and I, I guess it, I, I start writing them at home and create the idea and I guess the messaging that I want to achieve and not really pitch to the guys, but present the idea. And then we try to jam it to see if it organically happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if the creation process comes, I guess, pretty seamless, we move forward pretty quick. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, with this is kind of a, another follow up to, to the current situation we're in with, with COVID. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of, a lot of progress made in terms of new music as well as, um, well, new music written as well as new music being recorded and pre- prepared for release. But uh, what else, like, what's been the the most, you know, um, I guess that the biggest lesson you've learned as COVID has has kind of upended a lot of people's strategies that they've they followed. Uh, I guess to appreciate what we have. I mean, even though Heck we're yeah. not where we want to be, is just. Um, appreciate the opportunity to jam i mean when everything was shut down we really took a step back and didn't even practice for uh about six to eight weeks just to kind of be careful yeah um and once we got everyone got more comfortable we started jamming again but yeah definitely do appreciate what we have and then also um network as much as possible uh through just the online uh interweb you know (laughs) it's just it's a great uh there's so many different platforms you can get connected with people that you would never be able to without it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's opened some doors with for us. Uh, for example, we just played Seattle, Seattle Hempfest. Um, 
and they moved that to a, a live stream experience this year. And we would have never had the opportunity if yeah. it didn't happen. Um, and, cause we got, we were able to get connected with them and they needed artists and, um, it was a great experience, man. That's super cool. That's like, that's obviously across the country. Now you've, now you've grown to a, a newer audience and, and like, like you said, it's something that, that digital allows you to, uh, to accomplish that you couldn't have accomplished otherwise. It's pretty interesting. So, yeah. And it's a way to build relationships too. And then hopefully as things I mean, we're all crossing our fingers here, but we're hoping in 2021 that these festivals come back and we can get back to some sense of normal. And so we're hoping to go out there live next year. Yeah, man. So in uh, I'm I'm obviously I'm in Utah, but uh, are things in Florida or are you guys kind of back to um, sort of normal living, at least not necessarily as a band, but as like a as an individual? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's I I never know around the around the U.S. things are are different. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that, and it's kind of been. Um, I think it was mid May is when they started to reopen, and then there were several different phases that we went through. Oh, okay, um, but we actually just played. I mean, there was masks and temperature checks because we wanted to make it keep it super safe. But we just played our first live show um, a couple weekends ago. Nice man, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. Especially, you know, taking the precautions, making sure everyone's safe, making sure everything's a good environment. Like, man, I'll bet that helps the community because I feel like that would help the community, man. Just like that type of stuff, not having it, it weighs on you emotionally, you know, like it kind of there's there's just a lot of uh, just camaraderie, I guess, that, that kind of comes from from going to live shows and participating in stuff like that. I agree. I think everyone is I mean. It's important to uh, respect the COVID crisis, but I think yeah. everyone's kind of getting fatigued too. So we have to create these environments for people to go out, of course, safely, but I bring live music back. Um, I mean, for multiple reasons, for small businesses, for people, for the artists. I mean, there's it, they're multidimensional, but it was it was really awesome to see some familiar faces in the scene and just kind of get back out there and rock it. Man, that's super cool. Yeah, you're you're right, man. It's like it it exists. It's real. It it needs to be you know it needs to be taken taken precautious. You know you need to be precautious about it. But it's like it's there's a lot of a lot of mental fatigue that just really needs some some uplifting. And I think that's cool that you guys were able to do that. So uh, was it how many bands played at the show? We had four groups. Nice. And uh, I'm assuming it was obviously like probably as close to six foot distance or whatever. So, so what did the room cap out to be? Yeah, we kept it, we kept it pretty more of a low key show, but there was, I mean, I guess probably around a hundred people somewhere around there, man, that's Um, awesome. But yeah, solid turnout, especially in the circumstances that we're in. And again, it was, it ended up being a lot of familiar faces, just uh, other artists in the scene and just people, uh, wanted to come back out and it was great to see you know a lot of people that we haven't seen since march yeah man so prior to covid were you guys playing shows pretty regularly we were trying to yeah we were at least one to two a month um either here in uh, the space coast like east coast of florida in orlando or trying to out i guess not outsource but try to branch out into tampa or different markets okay yeah man and uh, obviously, when it when it comes to live performances, I mean, Florida is a pretty, pretty convenient state when it comes to a lot of the music scene there. Right. It's a it's a fairly di- it's fairly diverse, but it's also got a really good rock and roll and alternative scene, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know a couple bands that I really enjoy from there, but I'm sure there's even more like one of my favorite bands of all time is from Florida um, and Berlin. And, uh, and then another band I've been listening to a lot lately, Capstan there from Florida, but I know there's tons of others too. <laughs> so yeah. Amberlin, I've seen them multiple times, man. Their live show is incredible. Oh, so phenomenal. I mean, their live stream stuff they did to, you know, during COVID was amazing too. I was like, dang, you know, they kept their production quality real high when they did all that stuff. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, it's I like mean, the the Goldfinger stuff that you see floating around. It's like, they, they understand how to engage an audience virtually for sure. Yeah, dude. It's, 
I feel like it's such a, a learning curve that some of these people just are, are natural at it. You know, like John Feldman's like a, a creative genius as it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> so, so for you, obviously, uh, you know, you said you grew up on, on like the green day and the Metallica scenes, you know, like the, the nineties rock, but, uh, you know, when you started actually making music 2008, you leave, you leave college and, and you start making music. What was it that, uh, that really, like, what were some of the bands that you were listening to that really inspired, inspired you at that point? I think the, the post hardcore scene and the emo scene was 2003, 2004 is when I really got heavy into that. And that's yeah. what totally changed my perspective on music. Yeah. Um, and what it could be. And, um, yeah, so some of my biggest influences were Circus Survive, of course, Taking Back Sunday, Seosin, yep. uh, Chiodos, like we talked about, um, Our Expandits, and uh, some of the other groups. So, um, that the band I was in kind of took a break from school and was heavy focused more on that post hardcore type sound. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's really that. Like, I always talk to people, I'm like, that's the, kind of the golden era for me of like of what really inspired my music tastes was that, you know, from 2003 to 2007 was kind of like that period for me where it was just like, everything was, there were so many great bands releasing amazing music. And, uh, and like that changed everything for me. (laughs) I agree completely. I mean, bands like receiving into sirens. Um, I mean, think of the other more mainstream ones, but like my chemical romance and Hawthorne Heights. Yeah. um, there's just the endless names I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It's, it really does feel like the list is, is endless from that. And I, for me, a lot of the bands that I really, really like latched onto was a lot of the, uh, you know, the drive through records bands. So, you know, obviously, uh, um, man, uh, early November was a big one for me. Oh yeah. Um, yep. and then, uh, another huge one that I, that I still am listening to, which I wish they'd release more new music is hidden in plain view was a massive one. One of my favorites for years and years. And I still, I still go back to hidden in plain view all the time. But I mean, that whole, that whole era of music, you know, obviously got like all time low was coming out a lot, a lot of those, you know, so I was a lot, I was a lot more the pop punk side of that whole scene, but still the same scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'll oh, go on. Uh, I was just going to say that I think that was the, um, I mean, Warp Tour was really the start. I mean, other other genres like metal and stuff branched the different, like more low key rock to the heavy metal rock. But I feel like Warp Tour was really the beginning of that, where it was hardcore bands all the way through pop punk, and now yeah. we see it even more prevalent today, where it's like hip hop all the way through metal. Yeah, and that's what festivals will be. I think it's really cool to have all those crossovers, you know, like bending genres, I think is one of the most fun things to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And as you like, as you make music, does that ever come to mind? Like the idea of collaborating with, with someone from a a really different genre or collaborating with someone even in the same genre at all? 100%. Yeah. I think that's a a creative way to kind of cross over, especially as you're trying to break through and you're, I quote unquote up and coming, but um, just to tap into a different fan base. And again, for that artist to tap into your fan base as well. Um, and I think you see bands like, I don't know if you follow Polyphia at all. Oh yeah, um, dude. Crazy, amazing guitarist. Holy uh, crap. Honestly, What's his name? Han- um, Hanson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he does a great job of like kind of crossing with the R and B scene and yeah. doing covers of hip hop and R and B with his, uh, you know, awesome math rock sound um, yeah but that is i mean that's the ultimate lab um i think they do an excellent job of that and bands that tap into that uh are ahead ahead of the curve i would say because that's how you need to stay relevant in today's environment so what's the process like when you're when you're trying to you know you're like all right i want to collab with someone what's the process you're going to follow is it mostly just trying to you know hit up the dms and be like hey want to do something (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question Um, we haven't really tapped into that yet um i think if we were to do it we would want to make it splash um so yeah for sure there's some dynamics that come into that with budget and um fit and uh creative aspects so um 
it's definitely something that we want to pursue. It's just if we can make it work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of logistics involved in that. Obviously, you know, if they're not right there ne- near you in Florida or, you know, even even, you know, nearby states, Alabama, Georgia, whatever, it's like if they're not there, like that's difficult to kind of collaborate. I'm assuming obviously there's there's with technology, things have become a little easier that way. But but even just trying to collaborate on on how things are going to transition between the two sounds. And I yeah, I can imagine that being a pretty, pretty gnarly endeavor. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the beauty of technology. Like we talked about, like not only can you direct message anybody, but then uh, from a recording aspect, you could coordinate time at their local studio that they're used to performing at. And I think it makes that um, collaboration uh, feature type experience pretty easy to pull off Um, because, I mean, it all communicates with Pro Tools or whatever recording platform that you use. I think these producers are so unexpected with their craft and they can figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I think it's like it's really cool to see that wizardry because it's like there's there's so much that I just don't comprehend when it comes to to all of the, you know, the terminology just alone is already a pretty big deal. But like just the the little um, tricks that they'll do to make to change up sounds or to make something sounds one way or another, it fascinates me, which is why, you know, some of my favorite um, things to, uh, to like listen or watch or, or like these, uh, the behind the scenes of making certain beats or making certain songs. It's like, it fascinates me because like you said, you know, they're, they're masters of their craft and they, they can kind of take that and, and turn a less than ideal situation into like gold. Yeah. And it's unbelievable now. I mean, these, um, the technology that comes has come out and all the plugins um, has really given the average producer with that creative ability access to that hundred thousand dollar equipment that these huge studios have, and that, I think that's why you've seen, um, I guess the the gap from high quality tracks to up and comers kind of become more equal from a listening perspective. Yeah, is because the playing field is just easier to have access to those good quality plugins and uh, tools that you can use to make the track uh, next level. Yeah. In your, in your home studio, I know obviously you said you're, it's mostly just for demoing and, and prepping and stuff, but do you, do you try and get some of those, those types of tools as well to, to help out or do you kind of leave that to the production team? I leave it to the production team. I mean, I definitely, I have a, um, I guess a, a drum software that helps create, um just standard beats so i can create the flow of a track yeah um that has really helped me with the writing process just to make it cohesive um just from a structure standpoint um uh and then i i use pro tools of course yeah um, and then the, the rest of it is just standard plugins that would you would use as pedals but creating using them as digital plugins is a little bit easier okay man i like i said there's so much to it that like that I find fascinating that I wish I understood more, but, <laughs> but man, it'd be, it'd be cool to, to have that, that knowledge. Cause I remember, you know, back in high school, reason was a pretty big software that, uh, um, at that time in terms of like, um, music production, but like it was mostly just MIDI input, you know, which I think there's quite a few that are still that way. Right. Where it's just mostly just MIDI. You just plug and play type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember like I I was so proud of myself because I I had composed this whole orchestral piece. It had like oboes and it had a bassoon, had cellos and and violin. And I was so excited. It was like a three minute piece. And I never touched the software after that. I was just like, man, I should have I should have taken more time and learned this stuff. (laughs) It's it's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like, I mean, every time I go through the process and I've learned how to use it at, at an amateur pace, but um, it is like an ocean of knowledge that you need to have. And, yeah. and when we go through the to a studio and you see them navigate the software and how efficient and quick they are, it's like it's totally worth every penny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I imagine. I imagine, you know, you're trying to especially where you were talking about, you know, consistently putting out music i I imagine that that becomes a lot less consistent if you're the one needing to uh 
to figure all this stuff out and and you don't have all of the the speed and efficiency that they have yeah and of course i mean eventually i'd like to be able to produce my own acoustic tracks and yeah have the ability to do that like the more simple type platform uh songs i guess and um but again having that that master's touch and the experts really look over the track and um put their final touch on it makes a huge difference yeah what what do you think like you know from from what you've written um I'm imagining when you go into the studio, you've got you've got it pretty much nailed down, right? You're not going in and experimenting with new things unless they kind of suggest it or or are you? In recording secrets, I think it was there was a little bit of mentorship there um, where not a lot, but there were some structure changes that made a big impact on the the songs. Um, That was a huge learning experience for me. Um, just going through that process, understanding, um, I guess what makes a really solid cohesive track. Yeah. And then, so coming out of that experience, recording secrets, I feel like my writing has become a lot more cohesive. Okay. So they're pretty solid. And so the structure is pretty much there. And then the, where the producers take it to the next level is those finishing touches, whether it be harmonies, adding synth or those effects and atmosphere that really create the track. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause that's, that's what I was curious about. Cause I was like, I would imagine that you're not going in, you've already, you know, you're paying whatever it's, it's not cheap. I don't know what the cost is of a studio time, but I know it's not inexpensive. I, w- I would imagine that, you know, you're not going to go in there and experiment with something. Oh, I had this idea, you know? <laughs> so that's, that makes sense. You know, they're bringing in the, almost the, the atmospherics, like you said, just bringing in the extra sound that, that just kind of tops it off. Right hmm. Yeah. Okay. The icing on the cake. <laughs> nice, man. That makes sense. I, uh, I was just curious about that. Cause I just, in my mind, you know, I, I see a lot of these behind the scenes of, of, you know, like I, I've watched like one of my favorites to watch is John Bellion. He's phenomenally talented. I don't know if you've seen any of his making of stuff, but, uh, but he, he's a producer though. So his is a little different. He's coming from a producer's background with all of his skills and stuff, but I, I see him just constantly experimenting and I'm like, man, I, I feel like people aren't doing that in the studio. I feel like they're probably just laying down the tracks that they've already, they've already laid out. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you, you have to be willing. I mean, you go in with an idea, but you have to be willing to adjust if it's for the betterment of the song. Um, yeah. And it's tough to let go sometimes, but um, every time I've gone through that process, you come out on the back end when it's fully mastered and you're like, yep, those were the right moves. And this is how the song was supposed to sound. Yeah. What was like, you know, as, as like kind of the final question here on this is, is what was like the, the hardest um, or the one that, that you felt like you went in and it changed the most, which, which song would be that, that song? I think it, it was Anthem, actually. Okay. Um, so that was my first one going in where I recorded and um, it went in solo, uh, obviously with the session players with Stu and Alex. And the the track was great. It was well, um, I guess, I had all the lyrics. I had all the parts. Um, but one thing that was missing is just the structure was a little bit drawn out. Uh-huh. Um, I guess the original structure was it went two verses before hitting the chorus. Oh, okay. That's where we started playing with the structure a little bit where kind of broke it up and made it more the traditional like, sound where it went verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Yeah. And it, it really made a huge difference on the song. Um, and uh, to this day, I mean, that's still one of my favorite songs to play and has been our most popular song to date too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And obviously, like you said, the, the coolest thing about, each time you go into the studio, you're taking new information to your writing sessions, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and I mean, every artist has a different perspective, but I, I go in to that experience as an opportunity to learn. Because yeah. you're, you're dealing with producers that deal with bands all the time. And so they're uh-huh. hearing all kinds of different sounds. They also bring that industry experience too. Um, so I take that as an opportunity for mentorship and uh, whether it be learning how to market your music or learning how to be a better band or learning how to write better songs. um, 100%. I think that's what you're paying for by going to a studio 
yeah. is tapping into the wealth of information that, that they can provide. Um, and that's what I love about going there. It's, it's again, I could spend, I'm, I could record a, an album every six months uh, and spend all the time in the studio. I love it there. <laughs> there, That's, I mean, obviously that's, that comes back to your passion, but it also comes back to, to, uh, you know, since it is your passion, this is something where your time is best spent pursuing those things. Right. And so that's, mm -hmm. I think that's super awesome, man. Well, uh, I, I, like I said, I really enjoy the music I've, I've listened through obviously the EP, um, and then, you know, watched the lyric video, um, for your, for your new song. And honestly, like, I really, I, I love the, almost like the anthemic sound that, the, that there is there where it's, you know, kind of big, I, I don't know how to explain it really, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love that, you know, the big sound and then almost like these, uh, um, the, the vocals, the way that you do the vocals, it's almost like, um, it's super complimentary, but I, I would say dreamy is almost kind of the word. It sounds really strange coming from me in my mind, but, but dreamy almost like where, where it, it's, it's another instrument as opposed to something that's on its own. You know what I mean? It's, it, it meshes really well. So I wanted to, to kind of like, I, I really dig what you've done. So I wanted to, to compliment you there and let you know, I oh, think it's super so rad. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a ton of fun and uh, the journey of the, as a vocalist has been a lot of fun too. And, um, it's obviously I've, I mentioned Anthony green is a huge, uh, influence for me. And yeah. so that style kind of shines in, but a lot of people have been saying incubus and, uh, Brandon Boyd, who's a huge inspiration for me as well. And yeah. Jane's addiction, we get a lot of comparisons too. So it's been, uh, very humbling to kind of get those comparisons. And, um, as a three piece too, it's, it's really fun to, have that big sound uh it, where it's we try to focus on um i guess more complementing each other yeah forcing it and i think that that shines through on the final tracks yeah and like uh, honestly you know i i think it's it's honestly really impressive being able to do that with the three piece because it's already a lot of work to make that sound you know sound full let alone with just three guys so i think that's that's pretty awesome Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Well, I, if you've got a few extra minutes, I always love to finish off, which is random questions about you and about, you know, your life. You, you still yeah. have a few minutes. Yes, sir. Cool, man. All right. So this first question is the same one every single time because I, uh, I just love sugar. And so <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's your favorite candy? Favorite candy. Um, all right, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, crossover. So this a Snickers ice cream bar. Oh, dude, those are so great. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. Good. Every time. Honestly, like <laughs> one of the best things, like one of the best things that comes from a Costco or a Sam's club membership yeah. is being able to buy those in bulk. <laughs> uh, one of the best things on planet earth. <laughs> Honestly, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love those Snickers bars. Good choice, man. All right. Second question. Favorite non-musical hobby. I know this one might be a little bit more challenging because obviously music is, is pretty much your life. So uh, non-musical hobby. Um, I would say I'm, I'm kind of a mo motivational speaker nerd. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm big into podcasting uh, and that motivational side. I'm, uh, I think that shines through in, like the messaging for the music. But yeah, I'm all about like breaking down barriers. And um, so, yeah, I love Tony Robbins. I like Simon Sinek. Um, Eric Thomas and a, a couple other guys. So that's kind of my, I, that would be my non-music hobby. Heck yeah, man. I love it. Yeah. I, I follow that stuff. Like Simon Sinek is, is, I, I love what he, what he releases. Like, I think it's, I think it's really important, you know, understanding the why obviously is one of his big things, but, um, his, uh, what was his most recent one? Leaders eat last, I think, um, mm -hmm. was the most recent one. And I was like, man, I don't know if that was his most recent, but that was the most recent that I read. And I was like, man, this guy, I, I like the, I like the, the perspective shift. You know what I mean? I think it's really important. Yeah. It's, he brings like a very intellectual approach to like the simple things that we do in everyday life and, uh, how he just perceives them differently. Yeah. And the way he brings the messaging out is super impactful. Yeah. And you can see why these companies or, uh, why the military is 
so successful in their messaging and their devotion is because like that. I mean, that why leaders eat last was all um, on the perspective of just observing how the military goes in order and how they eat. Yep. And he noticed that the higher ranking officers always ate last. Yeah. Um, and that's what created his idea for the book. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I love what he does. And um, I don't know if you've uh, Gary John Bishop. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, he's his book. Uh, Unexpletive yourself um, <laughs> is, <laughs> is one of my favorites, man. It's uh, it's fantastic, too. And it's in that same realm. And, uh, and he's just, he's a really good one as well. But, uh, yeah, man, I love that. I'm, I like that you, like I'm on that same boat. I love that stuff. I think it's super valuable to honestly, that the reason I started this podcast was because Gary Vaynerchuk, I read crush it. And I was like, you know what? This is a passion of mine. I'm going to make a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just go for it. That's yeah, what man. All about. Exactly. Um, it's, exactly, man. Same thing for me. I mean, I was, um, you know, the, uh, previous man was kind of breaking up and then I started writing new stuff and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And I booked studio time and then a year removed, we played a few festivals and it's just kind of steamrolled and it's all about taking action. Yeah, uh, man. That's, and then just never giving up. Those are the two aspects. Yeah, dude. That's amazing. I love to hear that. Cause you know, sometimes it can be discouraging for people too, right? Like, cause taking action obviously is for hard first off, but uh, secondly, once the action is taken, you, you also have to keep taking action <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's where it's really tough. <laughs> yeah. Especially in today's environment too. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, another one here for you. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie is inception. Oh dude. So good. Have you seen tenant yet? I have not. Me neither. I wanted to, I was going to get your, your perspective on it. Cause it's obviously, you know, same vein of of uh, it's it's obviously Christopher Nolan, but it's also his his mind, the way he works. I just think is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So that that just recently came out, right? Yeah, it's it's I think it's pre-released right now or like a pre-order right now or something like you can get it for DVD or whatever. But I know that mm-hmm. that was one of the few that actually went into the theaters over the summer. So, yeah. And the, um, if you haven't watched uh, I'm a huge fan of dark on Netflix. It's all about like time travel and it's kind of a psych thriller, but, um, and it's, it's German produced, uh, film. So it's in German, oh, okay. and, but I highly recommend watching it if you haven't. I think I've seen the, the, the picture for it. Is that the one where the dude's standing outside and it's like a mirrored image? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the artwork for it and it always terrifies Cause I don't do well with a whole lot of like the, the psychological, like I don't do well with scary things, and so I, I, I debated watching it because I was like, "This looks cool," and I read the the synopsis, and I was like, "Dude, this looks really, this sounds really cool," but I was just like, kind of freaked myself out. So, <laughs> yeah, it is really well done, but it is overall, it's pretty eerie and dark. I mean, it is kind of a dark show, so yeah. if, if that does kind of, I guess mess with you a little bit you might want to steer away but i love it <laughs> yeah well i i might try it out yeah like my wife enjoys a lot of that stuff and so like i'll watch shows with her sometimes and like there was a oh man what was a there was one with kevin bacon a tv show with kevin bacon about like a an fbi agent who was going after this cult leader i don't know if you ever i didn't watch it i remember seeing the previews though but yeah it was like that, that same idea where it's like kind of a psychological like mess with your head and it i couldn't i couldn't watch it man i just yeah it messed that wasn't with me true detective was it i don't think it was true detective i don't i don't remember what it was i just remember that it really messed with me because <laughs> i'm i'm like kind of a wimp when it comes to that stuff so like things mess with me a lot faster than most people <laughs> yeah well, and that's when you know the show did its job too. Yeah, I for sure. Give it the tip of the hat at the end. When yeah. You walk out of the theater and you're like, and that's where I saw Inception. I was like, my mind was blown. Oh, dude. Like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And so I was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, <laughs> dude. It's, I mean, it's, it's really magical. Like thinking back to the first time I watched that and being like, so like what it, very, very rarely do I ever think I need to rewatch that like now. <laughs> And that was the movie that I was like, I need to rewatch that so I can really understand what's happening here. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's so cool. And uh, this is a, uh, this is just a, a random one. I know, obviously you said you took a break from, um, from making music to, uh, to, you know, have your family and stuff. So uh, th- that's a pretty big thing for, uh, for me. Did you come from a big family? Was that kind of, uh, do you, do you have a big family now or? I have. So my wife and I have been together for almost seven years. It'll be seven years, November 30th. And then we have two little ones. So nice. I'm a five year old and a two and a half year old. Heck yeah, man. Same age as my kiddos. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's fun, man. Yeah. We, uh, the best, isn't it? It's really, it really is. Are they boys, girls? What do you have? The oldest is a girl and then youngest is a boy. Man. Is your two and a half year old just out of his mind? completely out of his mind <laughs> yeah mine, mine has been really just like my wife i came down you know i work at home now but i just go downstairs to uh to spend time with them at, after work and uh and i go down and and she's just like i i don't know i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've had a lot of those conversations yeah uh, we so i i got laid off october 1st oh man i'm sorry to hear that so we, well thanks but yeah we took an opportunity like advantage of this time off to take like a little vacation. Nice. So uh, we took five days and went to the mountains anyway with with just us and the kids. Reason why I bring this up is that was like a turning point for some reason for the two and a half year old where it was like, he just kind of opened up and blossomed. And now he's been like more conversational instead of the typical terrible twos. Dang. Kind of been fun uh, having him around. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. Maybe my wife and I need to do something just, I, we thought about leaving for Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll just do that. We'll just like pack up and drive over to because uh, her sister lives in South Carolina. Maybe we'll just go visit them for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, that's where we went to North Carolina is where we went. Absolutely gorgeous up there, man. I love North Carolina so much. Oh, us too. If we were ever to relocate, it would be there. Yeah, my wife, my wife and I, you know, we uh, if remote work remains a possibility because I, I do software development. So I'm like, if, if the company I work for remote work remains a possibility, Charlotte or Raleigh is where we're headed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I love it. Me too. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to talk with me, man. It was awesome getting to know you. And, uh, once again, I want to reiterate that you're doing awesome and, uh, I think you should keep it up, dude. I I'm stoked to hear what's coming out, you know, with oh. the new EP and, and the new single that drops, you said December 4th, right? Yep. Yeah, man. I'm super stoked for that. So, uh, so I'll be keeping, keeping my eyes open for that too. Yeah, for sure. And then once we get the EP, you'll be the first to get one, man. So thank you again for uh, having me on. It was great getting to know you too. Heck yeah, we man. It's the same age. It's a small world. I know, man. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Cause you said you've been married seven years. So we've been married eight years. So it's really not that much of a difference there either. So <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff, man.